Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. Glad that you would join us. And if you're watching online, we're especially glad that you're joining us too. When I had, well, oh, but first, Neighborhood Clifton, before I get in my sermon, I mentioned it in class, but you can see a table up here. We've got some forms and a table back there. And so you can either sign up with a physical form and turn it into my office, or you can go to our website. It's very simple, neighborhoodclifton.com, and click buttons And if you want to do that online. Um, I know some of you would maybe prefer the paper form, and so let's do whatever works best for you. But we're going to try and get all that stuff submitted by the 16th. Um, and also, I uh, just want to say, um, I know that... Uh, I know that not everyone has experienced Neighborhood Clifton before, but for those of you who have, I would encourage you to, to um, tell everybody else about what a great opportunity it is to, uh, to get to serve our community. So, when I first planned this series, the series on prayer, uh, Your Will Be Done, I always knew that I wanted, I wanted to talk about prayers and lead up to talking about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane here on the Sunday before Easter. And... Uh, we'll get to join with millions of Christians around the world that are not only around the world now, but in the past, um, millions of Christians that have looked toward the cross and the resurrection as this culminating thing that we see. And we're going to get to join in as all these other Christians are looking at the death and resurrection of Jesus this Sunday and next Sunday. And I think there are lots of things worth looking at in the scene in the garden, and you've maybe read, um, read this passage many times, but we're going to be mostly looking at this, we're going to look at this, what, it, what we see Jesus praying like when he's praying to God in this moment. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Isn't that a great sound to hear? <laughs> then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, which just means olive press. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to those three, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Re remain here and watch with me. I, I want to invite you, you may have read this passage thousands of times, hundreds of times, but and, and some of you maybe have never heard this story before, but I want you to really think about, uh, take a second to pause and think, what was it like, what would it have been like to be there and to see what Jesus, looking very sorrowful, even to death, would look like. You know, because we have lots of images of what we see Jesus as. Throughout the stories, we see the Jesus that is walking on water. We see the Jesus that's um, healing people and that has little children all around him. And we don't often picture the Jesus that's here, and, or I don't at least. And so I want you to really try, try to imagine what it was like to be there at night with the disciples, with Jesus, and him being troubled, sorrowful. And he asked them to remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup... And that, that word means a lot, let this cup. And so if you want to come to Wednesday night class and learn more about that, we can talk about it. But it kind of just means let this suffering, let this trial... He, he talks to James and John on the way to the cross, and they say, can we sit 
on your right and your left and drink the cup that you drink? You know, can we be with you at the when you're king? Can we be on your left and your right? And Jesus says, trust me, whenever I'm enthroned as king, you won't want to be on my left and my right. You won't want to drink that cup. And this is the cup he's talking about. And he says, uh, let this cup pass from me. Um, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This his central prayer from the beginning of Matthew. You're with them. You know, he prays, pray that you may not come into temptation. Keep us from temptation. Keep us from the evil one. He says, couldn't you have stayed up with me for one hour? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I, I like the picture too that he said, I'm going to go off and pray. And we have recorded that he prays this. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, your will. And then it says, couldn't you have stayed awake for an hour? You know, I just read that line in two seconds, but it seems like he was praying this line for a long time. And then he asked him again, watch and pray with me. That, uh, uh, And again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. One of the things I want to pause and say here before I move on, and another thing we can talk about in Wednesday night class, I'm about to say something that is is has confounded theologians for millennia. And if it hasn't confounded them, then that means they're not a good theologian. But it seems like when Jesus says this to God, and this is how I've heard some people describe this, that God has two wills, not two different wills, but one will, but one kind of his will is called an unconditional will. It doesn't change. And then there seems to be this other part of his will that is conditional, that can be altered. And so it's, it's so interesting. Where do theologians get that idea? It's from right here. It's Jesus praying to his Father and saying, God, I know you have your will. And if it's possible for that will to be changed, for me not to do this, I would like for that to happen. And it's the response that Jesus seems to arrive at, well, we'll see in a second, is that the answer he gets from God is, no, this is part of my will that cannot change. Isn't that interesting to think about? Now, I don't know how that works with us, but I do believe we can probably learn that when we pray to God, God, I pray that this happens. If it's within your will, your, the will that can be adapted, but if it's a part of your will that cannot be changed, then I will drink this cup. I will understand. That's something, like I said, we can get into later, but I'm not making that up because I want to talk about that. I'm, making that, I'm talking about that because Jesus brings it up. Jesus says, if it's possible, God, I don't know if it is, but if it is, please let it change. And then by this third time that we're about to see in this prayer, he seems to have come and arrived at a place where he's, he realizes there is no part of God's will that goes outside of his son dying on the cross. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time. Now, throughout Scripture, from Genesis through Revelation, the number three is connected with trials, with tribulations, with um, facing, going through something. If you ever see the number three, always immediately think of a trial or going through something difficult. So we have the third time. When, G when, when Peter, how many times has he denied Jesus? Three times. Whenever Jesus reinstates Jesus, how many times? Or Peter, three times. How many days was Jesus three days. So a third time he says the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later 
Later on, see, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So through Jesus' actions, and I'm also going to say through the actions of the disciples, when I, was look, when I was reading for this this week, something that really I hadn't thought about before that really rose to the top is when we look at Jesus and his prayers and we look at the disciples and they're sleeping, one of the big things that I had never really thought about before that I thought about this week is that prayer clarifies, restores, and strengthens our purpose. If you're a note taker, prayer, it clarifies, it restores, and it strengthens our purpose. Let me talk about this from the angle of the disciples first. So you see Jesus, he leaves the 12, and then he takes his three favorite disciples and says, come with me a little further. And he asks them, all three of them, to watch with him, to be attentive, to be alert. I don't know exactly what that means. You know, he doesn't say, come pray with me, but maybe that's what he meant. Like, be praying for me while I'm praying, or watch over me just while I'm over here, be alert. But instead they fall asleep. And the, all the scholars I read indicate that this is a foreshadowing of what's about to happen. All of these disciples who are being inattentive now, not being alert, when the moment comes for them to stand with Jesus, how are they going to react? When the moment comes and Jesus is saying, are you going to be with me when it's my time to be on the cross? Are they going to be awake with him or are they going to be asleep? And we'll, you know... I'll get to that in a second. But you know, many of you know the answer. Now let's talk about Jesus. Jesus, he three times goes to the Father in prayer, in sorrow, in agony, and in distress. And those are words we don't often think of when we think of Jesus and God in their relationship. And what we see happening, in my opinion, is we see that he's almost coming to God saying, God, I want to live my purpose to be your purpose. I want my will to follow in line with your will. I want to align myself with that. And I'm asking you, God, is this part of your will? I need clarity. I need to clarify is what I'm about to go through. Is it this cup that is before me? And we also see if, in my opinion, you see by the end of it, I don't, it doesn't say any language about, and now Jesus felt strengthened, but you do see him come out and he says, all right, y'all get up. It's time. Does that make sense? You kind of see a transformation from the beginning with the first prayer of, I feel sorrowful to death, and then at the end saying, all right, guys, it's time. Let's go. And I see, in my opinion, a strengthening, a, a, a strengthening of his resolve to trust and live in the purposes of God's will. And so here is a, probably the core message of today's sermon. When we pray, whether it's in moments of trial or trouble or sorrow to the point of death, because I know you have had that moment before. There are people here or listening who have had your moment where you felt like you were at sorrow to the point of death. And in our moments of joy, in our moments of praise, in our moments of confusion, in our moments of comfort, in loneliness, in all of our seasons, when we pray, we are able to see God's will clearer, even if it takes months or decades, and we are strengthened by His Spirit to be able to walk that way, to walk towards His purpose. And that's something that I see, I see with Jesus here at the garden is there's a sense in which all His life He has walked in God's will. And here in this moment, He's saying, God, I need some clarity on what this purpose is. And there's no telling. He may have had lots of times where 
when we hear of Jesus going off to pray, you never know. He may have had, okay, okay, God, help me out. What's, what's your will in this? What's your purpose? And after his time of prayer, he is able to walk out of that with more clarity, with more restoration, and more strength to live out that purpose. Now let's shift back to the disciples and think about them. So instead of the disciples staying alert and praying and watching with Jesus, they are asleep. And it shows, this also shows what happens when you don't pray, when you don't stay alert, when you aren't watching. What happens is you deny, you give up, and you abandon the journey, just like all the disciples did at Jesus' moment at the cross. Now, the good news is, praise God, if you ask Peter, Jesus can still do something with you even after you deny, even after you give up and walk away from the journey. But there's no denying the fact that you have a Savior who prayed and his resolve was strengthened and you have disciples who fell asleep and were not able to be there when the moment hit of, are you going to stick with Jesus? I want to tell you a story that, to describe this idea of this falling asleep. I think you'll like it. This, the lighter part of this sermon. How many of you remember Kevin Davis, who was our summer intern when I first got here? You remember Kevin? So Kevin and I, uh, you know, Kevin was really into fishing, so I tried to really help him out with his fishing, and we, uh, we spent too much money on these. Does anybody know what these uh, are? I'm sad Joe Bates is in here to, to let everybody know. These are modern-day catfish noodles, okay? Some of them call them jug line fishing, where you take like a jug of milk and you empty it out. But anyway, the way it works is you have something on the top of the water that floats and a long string with bait at the bottom. And basically the way it works is you set them out and you watch them and the second a catfish hits it, it'll knock the weight up and so you can see it bobbing like, oh, we got ourselves a catfish. By the way, that's my kind of fishing uh, because there's like no doubt about it. It's like, all right, sweet, we got something. Um, I got to do this with my brother-in-law one time. I should have I put a picture up. We caught this massive catfish. I mean like, you know, both hands holding it and it was just with a little worm uh, on the end of one of these jug lines. But I'm telling you this story because we went out to Lake Whitney to test out our catfish noodles that we had made. And I remember um, he went out on the kayak, I got on the kayak to go out there to place this, right? And man, it's choppy weather. I'm, I'm just rowing to get out there, rowing, 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 just working hard. All right, I got to get this. And I go to drop this noodle thing and I'm it's all tangled up and it's a mess and oh, this, is, this isn't going to work. This was a waste. By the time I drop the noodle in the water with the bait and look up, I have no clue where I am. I remembered being like, you know, I, I just vividly remember looking up like, all right, time to head back towards Kevin. And, and it took me a good, like, I don't know, I'm glad I didn't get vertigo, but it took me a while to just get my bearings out in the middle of Lake Whitney and be like, oh man, how did I get here? How am I all the way out here? And the message that I'm trying to convey is that when you are out, not paying attention, just out on the water, you will be amazed how far you can drift off path. When you're just out there, sitting there on the boat, the waves are taking you places you have no idea that you're going. And before I knew it, I was, you know, I didn't want to fish anymore. And I was like, I'm leaving that noodle out there practically. I wanted to practically because by the time I got back and actually found Kevin, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to find that noodle again I'm not, I, because of how much I had drifted from where I thought I was. And so when we look at things like when you're driving on the highway, you know those things on the side of the road, I think they're called rumble strips. Okay, why are those there? Because when you're driving and you're not paying attention, you're prone to do what? To drift. 
Why is it that so many marriages struggle whenever the husband and wife are like, I'm just doing the same thing I always do every day? It's because having a good marriage requires attention, and if you don't give it attention, your marriage will drift. You following me? Why is, we, we think, why is it so hard to stay in shape? I'm just doing the same thing I do every day. I'm not being an extra unhealthy person. Well, just doing the same thing every day leads to drift. You have to intentionally be alert to it for it to stay on track. And so the, the, every time I, when I was prepping for this sermon, I kept thinking about how we see in Jesus this message that when we pray, we keep our eyes focused on God's will. And when we don't pray, we become people who fall asleep to God's will and God's purposes in our life. And we start to drift away from God's will and God's purposes. One of the key things that we see the New Testament authors say a lot, a lot, is be alert. Have you noticed that in the Bible? How many times they're like, stay awake, stay alert. And I'm starting to think, after writing this sermon, that maybe the way that what they mean is keep praying. There's a chance they may mean a lot of things, but I'm starting to think that that's what they mean is, hey, y'all, stay alert. The way you stay alert is you get on your knees and you keep praying to God and saying, God, what is your will in this? Where do you need me to be in this? What's your purpose for me right now? To stay alert to what you're doing and how I can join in. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, and then this is kind of the last big point, but it, you couldn't do this sermon without talking about it. But we see Jesus say this line that Ryan quoted in his communion thoughts. Not as I will, but as you will. And if you haven't noticed, based on the fact that this series is called Your Will Be Done, I believe, I'm starting to feel like, that this seems to be what is the prayer of all prayers. Okay? The cornerstone prayer that we see Jesus pray. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see here in the garden, not, your, not as I will, but as you will. And one of my biggest pet peeves is whenever speakers say this word. If you don't get anything out of my, else out of this message, but you get this one thing, that's always been a huge pet peeve of mine, because it's like, so are you telling me to ignore everything else you just said? I always, or I'm going to stop listening as soon as you've been, I, that was always a huge pet peeve of mine. I'm not going to say that, but I'm this close to saying that, okay? I'm this close to telling you that what I am starting to, or I'm hoping you're catching on, is that somewhere in the backbone, in the core of all of these lessons, somewhere in it, you can find the language of, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. And one of the things that I noticed last week when I was sitting over here is when Dan Fowler did his communion thought, he, he talked us through how we see Jesus through Genesis, through Revelation, and he talked about Mary, when the angel came to Mary. And he said something, and since I was preparing for this sermon, something I had not thought about or made a connection before. In Luke, when the angel comes to Mary... It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. Jesus in the garden was what? He was greatly troubled. He was sorrowful. We see two people that have a message from God that is troubling to them. Greatly troubled. And then after they talk more, the place that Mary ends up landing is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, it's not the exact same words, but if you don't read that and think that the message Mary is saying is, well, I am about to go through the most immense shame imaginable for a 14, 13 or 14-year-old 14 girl 
to become pregnant and to tell people, no, this is the Holy Spirit's baby. I'm about to be a pariah in my community. I'm about to go through an immense amount of pain and suffering. I do not want this cup, probably, is what she's thinking. Like Jesus, let this cup pass from me. That's probably how she's feeling. Can you pick another 13-year-old girl, please, God? And instead, the place she lands at after talking with the angel is, I'm your servant. May your word, may your will be done through me and in me. Just like Jesus. And I think it's so cool that when we pray, when we communicate with God, we surrender to how Instead of, how do I want this world to look? How do I want my life to go? We say, God, I want your will to be done in my life and through me. And I think we also see that whenever I use the phrase like, hey, y'all, we need to join in in God's will, that can sound like something that's so abstract. And yet we see it here, clear as day, that at the beginning of Jesus' life, before he was born, and at the end of his life, that all it is is continually coming to God in prayer, in communion, and saying to him, God, I want my life to be about what you want to have done. Even whenever it's not actually like what I want. I want so bad for your will to be done that I'm willing to put aside what I actually want to happen. I want this cup to pass. I, don't, I want to have a normal 13-year-old girl's life. And instead it's, okay, your will be done. And I believe that each of us have that opportunity. Each of us every day, every morning, all day, without ceasing, have the opportunity to be praying to God and saying, God, I want my life to be your will, not my will. I want to enter into it. And often it's going to look like things we don't want to do, but it's continually coming to God in prayer and saying, please give me clarity. Please give me the resolve and the strength to see it through. And that's that's a lot of what prayer is in a nutshell, and we see it on display here with Jesus. So if any of you would, have, would like us to be praying for you, if any of you would like us to, um, if you have a, just a prayer request, or if you're asking, last week at luncheon, a young lady that came to church said, I've got this business idea, and I'm, my preacher keeps saying, I need to make sure that it's in line with God's will. And I said, well, can I pray for you right now? And we prayed, and I said, God, I pray that this is something that if you want this to happen in your will, that it's not just for her own reasons, but it's for your kingdom. And if you would like one of us to pray for you about something like that, we'd be happy to. Elders are going to be standing at the doors while we stand and sing this song.